Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Coming to you from Michigan, USA, and listened to by people all over the planet. <laughs> Get ready to be safe and sound with Sean Sparkman. Sparkman. Never take your eyes off your opponent, even when you bow. Welcome to the Safe and Sound Podcast. This is your host, Sean Sparkman. I am excited to be bringing you today Adam Cole. Adam is a couples financial counselor. It's very interesting. And we're going to talk a little bit about couples and money today, as well as what you should be doing with your money during the pandemic. So, Adam, thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Sean. It's a pleasure to be here. Can you tell everyone a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So what I do is help couples have healthy money conversations. I help them get on the same page, decode their own relationship to money, and use those conversations to help them come up with their own unique plan for financial prosperity and then execute that plan and actually be able to live that life they love with more peace of mind, more intimacy, more love, and more cash. That's awesome. And what about your background makes you an expert in couples financial counseling? Yeah. So first of all, I mean, money is one of the top causes of divorce, one of the top causes of breakups and stress in relationships. And compared to such an important topic, there's strikingly little written or said about it, and even fewer people who work on this topic and are willing to get into the trenches with couples and help coach them through these kinds of situations. And so for me, I have a background in finance. I've been a finance geek all my life, studied economics, went to law school, and then got a master's in tax law. And actually, before law school, I worked for Northwestern Mutual doing like family finance and investments and insurance kind of stuff. And I really, through all of that, saw the importance of financial education and what a difference it can make for families. And then over the last six or seven years of my life, I've done a lot of personal development work, got into coaching, noticed I had a knack for it, done thousands of hours of community organizing, and along the way, ended up doing some conflict resolution work for an advocacy group I was a part of. And once I realized I had a knack for that, I decided to go get some formal training. And that's where I became a certified mediator. And when it dawned on me that there was this huge need at the intersection of finances and money, right? And that there's often like a financial advisor may not want to or feel comfortable with the more relational, emotional aspects. And like a couple's therapist or a couple's coach may not feel as comfortable with the financial side of things. So I saw, you know what, all the different things I've done throughout my life positioned me to be able to bring these two together and pun intended marry the two topics of relationships and money and be able to make a real contribution to people. Yeah. And I love that what you do because it is very important because like you said, money is the number one reason that there's issues in most relationships. Now, obviously every rule has exceptions, but 
I love that you're helping people in that area because I think a lot of people need that help. And we all know relationships are not easy. Everything, everything is difficult, but the things in life that are the most difficult are always the ones that are worth it the most. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I'm a, I'm a big fan of love and relationships and intimacy and always looking at what barriers in my own life I put up toward it and supporting people in knocking down their barriers so they can experience more love and closeness. That's awesome. Well, I want to jump into a little bit of the nitty gritty about what you do. So the, the one of the most fun questions is what is the number one money mistake that couples make? Yeah. So I like to give a bit of a different perspective here. You know, if you talk to most finance experts or personalities or coaches, they may say something like, oh, you know, they don't have a budget or they carry high interest credit card debt. And those things are, are important to talk about. But uh, for me, the biggest mistake I see couples make is go straight to the numbers. And they will talk about a specific topic like, should we eat out less? Right. And when you do that without feeling like you can have a healthy money talk without feeling like you understand where your partner is coming from, without feeling safe to share your feelings. Oftentimes it can just automatically lead to misunderstanding and defensiveness because you're looking at one particular decision without understanding the whole and without having a shared kind of vision for what you two are creating together as well as individually. So what I recommend is that couples really start by just talking about money and how they feel about it what it means to them, what are the hopes they have, what are the anxieties and worries they have, which of course there are plenty in the moment of recording this in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, and so, you know, starting to get related to each other, starting to get on the same page so that when you do get down to the nitty gritty of making financial decisions, you understand where each other is coming from and that can go a lot more smoothly and there's a lot more compromise. And it makes a lot of sense because, you know, like my wife and I, we're completely different people and that's a lot of people's relationships, right? Opposites attract sure. type thing. Or, or there's a lot of people that might be even kind of similar, but whether you're similar or you're opposites or you're somewhere in the middle, every single person comes from a different background, different way they grew up. They have a little bit different values or vastly different values and experiences with money and how they've handled it. So what can people do about those big differences and how do they tie them together and really, you know, become a cohesive unit towards their money? Well, one of the first things I have all my clients do is to take an inventory of their history with money and what did they see growing up? What kinds of cultural norms were there in their communities? What kinds of lessons have they maybe absorbed from the media consciously or subconsciously? Which ones have they rejected and how does that look? You know, and just kind of taking that self-inventory and then also sharing with your partner about that stuff uh, because that helps you start to see where they're coming from so that when they have a different point of view than you or when they do something you wouldn't have done, instead of feeling angry or resentful, you can have some empathy. You can understand why they may have made the choice that they made, which doesn't mean that there isn't accountability. If you come up with a plan and one person doesn't stick to the plan, there's accountability, but you can at least bring in that empathy. And from there, yeah, it's just a lot about getting in touch with each other at emotional and vulnerable level and being willing to share why you have the viewpoint you do and be willing to listen to your partner share why they have the viewpoint that they do. And usually through that, you'll start to notice some commonalities. And even if that means like you kind of zoom out, right? At, at some level, I guarantee you and your partner agree that you each want to live your best lives, 
right? Like you want to have as good a life as you can. I'm pretty certain you're both going to agree on that, right? So where it breaks down is somewhere at, you know, at a narrower focus as you get more micro. But if you stick to where there's shared values, then when you look at places where they seem to conflict, now you're just problem solving, but your problem solving is a unit. It's me and you figuring out how to get what we want instead of me versus you, right? Whereas it can feel that way if you dive in too deeply, too quickly, or if you don't have that shared understanding, it can feel like we're battling each other. I want the kids to go to private school. No, I want them to go to public school versus, okay, let's step back. We both want our kids to have wonderful lives, right? So how do we do that given all of our situation, our income, our expenses, how many kids we have, what private school costs, what public school costs, what are the different expenses involved in it, right? Then we can look at it as a team and try to figure out the best choice. Yeah, I absolutely love the way that you approach things because, it, like you said at the beginning, it's about the relationship first. It's not about getting right down to the numbers. And it's very similar even like when I sit down with my clients and we're talking, it's about what is your goal? What are you trying to achieve? It's not about how you can achieve it or the numbers. It's we got to go back to the beginning first, discuss what your goals are, why you have those goals. And then in your in your case, you're even a higher level above that. You're approaching the what is the relationship and how can we create those goals so that when they come to somebody like me, they already have the cohesiveness to be able to say, what are our goals? And then at the very bottom, that's when you get down to the strategies and the numbers and things like that. So I love what you're doing. Exactly. Right. Because first of all, so many of us go through life and no one ever asks us what matters to us. What do we care about? What's our vision for the future? What goals do we have? What dreams do we have? Right. So even asking that question is really important, uh, whether you are in a relationship or you're asking it to yourself or maybe you're a professional who works with families or couples. And yet I will say there's even a, the more that we cultivate our skills as good listeners and asking good questions, the richer that conversation can be. Right. So I don't just say, tell me about your goals and sit back and listen. I do do that, but I've learned how to listen to what people are saying and which points are to press a little bit more on and have them go further, right? Or to listen for when they're a little bit embarrassed to admit what their goal really is or what they really want to have. And not because I'm sitting in any judgment, right? Like you can have all different kinds of goals. I have clients who want to spend more. I have clients who want to spend as little as possible. I have clients who want to have a big house, clients who want to rent all over the map, right? But my goal is just to help you be self-expressed, be able to acknowledge your true worries, your true fears, your true desires. And then from there, we can see what kind of financial plan can we come up with that's going to help you fulfill on as many of those as efficiently as possible. Yeah, that's absolutely the best way to approach things so that you're there as a cohesive unit and you're working together. So let's switch gears just a little bit here. Everybody's experiencing a special time in our history right now, and I know that's a weird way to think about it, but it is a special time. I've heard some people talking about it as the Great Reset, where we're all you know, forced to spend more time together as families than we ever have before. So it's a great time to really have these conversations and start preparing for the future. So when you're looking at the pandemic and the financial repercussions and couples as a whole, what can they do and what should they be doing with their money and their time during this time in history? 
Yeah, I, I, there's no doubt that it's unprecedented time. I've used that word so much it's become trite, but it's true. And, you know, to have stress and anxiety, especially during a moment like this, and even have heightened stress and anxiety about money or in general is normal and it's expected. Right? So I just really want to let anybody listening know if you've been feeling more concerned about this or more nervous, or more afraid, more scared, I get it. You're not alone, and it completely makes sense. Now, each couple, each family situation is unique, so there's not any one way to do this. I mean, we see that the health effects of the COVID-19 are hitting certain communities disproportionately. The death rate in black communities is over two times that for white Americans and for other non-white Americans, it's also higher than for white Americans. There's also job losses, significant job losses, but those are also hitting different kinds of people in different ways. Certain industries are doing better than others. Uh, you know, as we start to open more businesses, we have the service workers going back to work, and now they're also having to put their health at risk, even though they are sometimes amongst the lower paid employees. So, you know, there's all kinds of different challenges. And whatever I do say, I, I want to be sensitive to all of that. That being said, the, in, in a general sense, this is a moment where I would encourage you to create the space and as much peace and quiet as possible to have some of these vulnerable conversations about money. Because uh, especially if you're struggling right now, like so many families are, it sucks to struggle and feel alone in that struggle. Versus even if you're still struggling, but you feel like you got your best friend, your significant other, and you're on the same team, right? Or even if you're not struggling, but you're nervous, you could lose your income or your job any day. All right, well, at least you can openly share your fears with your partner and they'll support you through that, right? So that is really what I do is recommend to be kind to yourself, give yourself grace just because, give your partner grace if they make a mistake, you know, if they go and overspend and they went on an online shopping spree, we can acknowledge that, hey, let's figure out how not to have that happen in the future. But everybody is coping with this, these challenges in their own unique ways. And so, you know, have some kindness, patience and compassion with yourself and with your partner. And at the same time, practice having these conversations about money in constructive ways so that you can get on the same page as much as, as much as possible and so that you can make positive moves. And, you know, maybe this month you're not going to redraft your entire financial viewpoint and plan, but maybe you could take one or two steps, right? Maybe you could set up that account you've been waiting on, or maybe you could file your taxes, or maybe you could try and cut down your budget for dining out or for ordering in by $50, right? Maybe you don't worry about going $500 less, but try 50 and make these positive strides and do it together. Do it with your partner as teammates, right? And over time, not only will your finances improve, hopefully as the economy improves too, but your relationship will strengthen. And in my work, I find that just as important, if not more important, is the quality of the partnership between the people involved. And that is exactly what I strive to improve with my clients. We just do it through the lens of money and your money improves along the way too. So you said something interesting. You said, give yourself some kindness and grace. And 
I have a question for you because I know there's a lot of people out there that are similar to me and people that are different, right? But in my particular case, I'm not good at that. <laughs> I'm, I'm very hard on myself. I always have been. Uh, you know, I mm-hmm. think it's part of the reason why uh, I've been successful and I'm good at what I do. But at the same time, it, it can be tough. So it's been a learning process to learn how to do that for myself. And I know there's a lot of other people out there that struggle with that. So I just want your opinion on how can people give themselves some grace and give themselves some mm-hmm. kindness, especially if they're just not used to it or they're just so frustrated and anxious and they just want to throw things against the wall? What do they What do they do? Yeah, I mean, thank you for your vulnerability to to share that, Sean. And it's true. Uh, I and many others struggle with being kind to ourselves. Oftentimes we are our biggest critics, but there may also be other external critics as well, right? Whether it's our job or society, depending on our identities and how they look at us, and that can only add to the challenge, right? And like you said, the strengths that we have in pushing ourselves and being persistent, they may not always be the most emotionally healthy or they may not do the best for us in terms of our relationships in life if we apply those same ways of being to our significant others or to our close friends. So how do you give yourself grace? Well, somebody once gave me this wonderful gift of that word. They said, you give yourself grace just because. You know, that made a real difference because I used to feel like I needed a reason, right? Oh, I can take a nap now because I did enough today versus my body is tired. It wants a nap. I need a rest. I'm going to do it just because. Now, in our society, we have taken the concept of self-care, and I'm glad it's being talked about more, but like, it's also become commoditized. It's also become something that like people sell and make money off of. And so beware of that. Like, It's nothing wrong with spending money on self-care, but there's nothing wrong with if you don't. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have the perfect self-care or work-life balance or whatever. Everybody's situation is different. Everybody's in a different spot. So kind of like what I said with the, with the finances, like try to take one step, right? Just take five or 10 minutes to just sit or lay down in your bed and just take some deep breath. Just tell yourself it's okay about something you've been holding on to yourself for, right? You know, there's a lot of talk about affirmations in the world too. And I've seen some data that says if you tell yourself something you don't actually believe that it's possible it could have effects in the other direction. And so sometimes it's just like, hey, I got out of bed and I worked today. I did some things, right? You don't have to say I worked my hardest or like I am an amazing person. Just like I tried some things today, right? I took a new step that I hadn't taken. Even just neutral objective statements about yourself can help you just move toward a little bit more kindness. And then if there are things that you like to do, for me, I'll close the door and put on some music and dance around. Or, you know, I haven't done this in a while, but I enjoy taking a bath or playing video games, just things that I enjoy. And I try and do them in a way where I'm not escaping necessarily. I'm just really breathing, enjoying being me, enjoying existing in this body that I have. And Those kinds of things just help me because, you know, example, if you overspent on your budget, it can be difficult to convince yourself, oh, that's okay. Don't be mad about itself. Like maybe you can work on that part of you and that's great. The other alternative is to just say, okay, I overspent the budget. I'm I'm mad at myself, even if you are. And also that's true. And also I'm going to go do something I enjoy, right? It doesn't mean you have to eradicate the negative feelings. That whole thing about like, being kind to yourself, like that's a lifelong process. 
doesn't mean you can't go do something nice and enjoy yourself and watch your favorite show and laugh a little bit and just let loose. So, you know, find your balance, find what works for you and don't be afraid to try it. Yeah, I like your approach. It's a little different than like my particular approach that I've learned for myself. Some of those things apply, but just to share a little bit about what I do, because my my background is in the martial arts, been doing it for over a decade now. And that's, you know, boxing, jujitsu, karate, whatever you name it. And we always call it, you know, rolling with the punches. Right. Uh, One of the things that I've learned is, you know, one thing I can do is go do a super hard workout. (laughs) It doesn't sound like kindness, but. In a way, it, it is a type of kindness because it's a, it's a release it's a release and it's a focus where you you have to be 100% there in order to be able to work out that hard. And then there's the opposite too, where sometimes it's just an easy light workout. Like I do uh, some training with a staff, you know, kind of like Donatello from the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> so, so <laughs> it was my favorite that. turtle growing up. So yeah. <laughs> and so I'll do a little bit of a light staff work where it's just you know spinning the staff around and moving it around my body and going through some steps and it's almost like a moving meditation so for those out there that are more physically inclined those are just some of the things that you can do as well on top of the suggestions that adam has in case that you're you know somewhere along those lines so absolutely sean i mean i appreciate you sharing it and look you know some of what i'm saying is from a perspective of what works for me but also what i see is maybe not as talked about in society especially amongst men as it could be right so like you know we are definitely taught like go play sports go work out and you know that's a good stress reliever and it absolutely is and i recommend it and i do it and it's fantastic and then there's also this other side of i don't say other like it's different but there's also this part like you said of you know your workout with the staff being almost like a moving meditation right or something like tai chi that has some of those or sorry qigong that has some of those elements of like mindfulness and movement or yoga right or just straight up meditation Right? And, and it's not to say that one is better than the other or you need to do this one and not that one. The more you know, the more options you have. And then in the moment, you can pick which one's right. You know, in some moments, the way I unwind is watching people play video games on Twitch. And in some moments, the way I unwind is watching The Office with my dad. In other moments, it's a meditation. And in other moments, it's a workout. Right? And it's just uh, the more different tools in the toolkit, I'm a believer then that you can choose the one that's apt in that. And it's about finding that harmony at the end of the day of, you know, the yin and the yang, the, the good and the bad and the, the hard and the soft. And you, you need both and you, you have to find it and you have to find it in your relationship. And that starts with the conversations and it goes back to money that is our part of our central part of our lives. We can't escape it. So we have to talk about it or mm-hmm. it, it, you just get it gets buried and then there's bad emotions and things just don't work out in the end. So I love this yep. conversation because I think it's very important for people to work on. And it is a daily work, right? It's like building a house. You got to put one brick at a time. and It's not going up all in one shot. <laughs> That's not how it works. Right. Well, and then, you know, some day you might build a house and then you realize you want a condo. Right. And so what I mean by that is like life happens and things change. Right. So what I work with my clients on is not, oh, here's a done for you financial plan. Now go follow it. Right. What I they do end up with a plan. Right. But they in the process, I help my clients cultivate self-awareness and self-understanding so that when life happens when somebody gets a raise or somebody gets laid off when a big expense comes up or you 
inherit some money, whatever the case may be, all of those things are maybe going to lead for you to want to shift some of your priorities or your goals or the pace at which you're doing them. So what I want to do is give my clients the tools so that they can, once they're no longer working with me every, you know, every couple of weeks and they're a former client, or maybe like they still talk to me once in a while at that point, they're able to make most of these decisions on their own. And just as a great example, you know, I, I had a client who I worked with a husband and wife, they have two kids and they came to me and their relationship was great. They weren't fighting about money. They were just overwhelmed by the topic and they didn't know where to start. Right. And that's one kind of client I work with. The other kinds are people who are actively fighting or people who are avoiding the topic because they're afraid of fighting. But this client was where they didn't fight about it. They just didn't know what to do. So, I mean, in the process of working with me, realized they were both getting underpaid. Each of them got a raise. They increased their household income by over 20%, right? And we worked on their different items in their spending plan and what were their priorities and not. They realized they are a lot closer to buying their dream house than they thought they were. Uh, but then when the pandemic happened, without even needing me, they sat down together because now they can talk to each other about money and they feel more comfortable and confident. And they figured out their own version of a pandemic budget. They stripped down as much unnecessary spending as possible, basically cut their monthly expenses in half. And then we talked once a quarter, we got on the call. And as we were talking, the wife says, oh my God, Adam, it just dawned on me that we could live on my husband's salary alone. If I wanted to be a stay-at-home parent, I could. I never thought I had the option before. She goes, mind blown were literally her words, right? Um, <laughs> and she has also a full-time job. She actually makes more than her husband, but it had never dawned on her that, oh, we can make this choice, spend much less money. There are certain things we'll miss out on, but like that actually opens up even if I didn't want to work, right? And she, again, she hadn't even considered that. And so I love to get my clients to that point where all of a sudden we've overcome the fear and the shame about money. We've overcome the fights. They know how to talk about it. It's a, a more and more comfortable topic over time. And I've also given them the essential financial information and education they need to get things going, to do like 95% of what they need to know. And from there, now my clients are empowered to make their own decisions, make their own choices, have their own conversations. And that just becomes a platform foregoing. And now if they want to be a real estate investor or work with a financial advisor or start a business, right? Like all that stuff is now so much more available and accessible because they have the foundations in place, including how they communicate with each other. That's great. And I love that story. My, my good friend, he, uh, he runs a, a business that was impacted by COVID and we were having a conversation where he was like, you know what? This really is kind of like the, the great reset because I never realized how much my wife and I were just constantly running around. And there were so many parts of my business that I didn't even realize I didn't, I don't actually need it. Like, you know, I liked making some extra money doing that portion of it, but I didn't actually need it. And now that it's not there, I have more time to spend with my wife and my kids than I ever had before. And he's like, you know, ultimately my, my life is just more relaxed and it's better. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with that. I think people have really taken stock and said this activity or this expense or even this friendship or relationship, you know, is it really in service of what I feel called to do and what really matters to me? You know, I think that's a good thing, right? People are 
experiencing a greater sense of autonomy and choice in certain ways that are really important. And I can't deny the uh, economic impacts and the broader conversation we're having nationally now about race and systemic racism. And this has created a, a lot of different emotions for people all over the map and people of all backgrounds. And at the same time, those conversations are constructive, as are the ones that are having us kind of reevaluate where things are. So, you know, I think it's like a both and. There are challenges as a result of this pandemic. There are challenges that arise as we're having more and more intense conversations about race in the U.S. And there's also a lot of really powerful benefits and opportunities inside of these moments. Yeah. And you know what? At the end of the day, I think that there's a lot of good that is going to come out of this part of the, our history as a country, because like you said, it's sparked the ability for people to start having conversations about things that have been buried for a long time, like the race talks that you're talking about. And I think that ultimately, as long as we're starting to talk and we're building relationships, just like as a couple, we have to do the same thing as a people and as a nation. We have to talk to each other and we have to come together because at the end of the day, everybody wants to live a good life and they want to have great relationships and live that, you know, quote unquote, American dream. We can still do that. We just have to keep talking and building relationships with each other. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, my work is really about empowering the individual or in the couple while also acknowledging right, the broader systemic factors that are going on and why certain people in certain communities have more or less money or earn more or earn less money for the same kinds of work and how that impacts people and how that affects their goals and values, right? And so like in my business and with my social media, creating more awareness, whether that's through my own work or elevating the voices of people from other identities and communities. And at the same time, okay, when I'm working with an individual couple, it's like, how can we fold in your experiences and your points of view in a way that honors that and also searches for empowerment, right? Even if, for example, you may have been discriminated against at a job because of who you are. Okay, we're not going to deny that reality. We're going to hold it and we're going to say that is what's going on and how can we empower you while at the same time, right, acknowledging that there's still these issues going on in our society and working to change them and shift them at a more community and societal level. Right. And that change at the community and societal level starts with individuals because that's where everything starts. It's all about who you are as a person and how do you change your view and how do you build relationships with people that are different from you so that everybody can come to an understanding and we can be a united nation again, which is would be amazing. And I think it's really happening because I think that the normal people on an everyday level, that's what we ultimately all want. Absolutely. Everybody, like you said, wants to live their best lives. And, you know, it's just about understanding whether it's with our neighbor or with our significant other that sometimes we say that differently or it looks different, right? Even though we want the same thing, it might look differently and we might not agree or see the same perspective on how we get there. But having that dialogue and the humility to understand other people's lived experiences that are different from our own, again, whether it's our husband, wife, spouse, partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, or our neighbor or someone else, right, in our workplace, like that 
ability to transcend those lines and cultivate more understanding is really powerful. We're going to wrap this up here, but one last comment I want to make about it. It's about, like you said, empowering the individual because it's how do you become that person that's kind again? Because I think that got... I don't know what when it started, but last 20, 30 years, I think that's kind of gotten lost where, you know, you can go out for a walk and somebody will be right next to you and they won't even look at you. And so you got to get to that point where it's just, hey, hi, how are you? It, those little things where people are just kind to each other again. And that all starts with who you are and what are you feeding yourself on a daily basis? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the more that we get to know other people and their challenges, that's a big part of what's pushed me to be an advocate, you know, was talking to the women in my life about the things they've experienced, talking to the people of color in my life, talking to the LGBT people in my life, you know, about the different things that they've experienced, the people who are homeless or living in poverty. I mean, the conversations I've had with these folks where just as fellow humans and as friends, and then they've opened up when they chose to about some of their challenges. And then I realized, okay, wait, I, you know, I love and respect this person. What's going on here? right? I trust that they're telling me something true, even if I didn't necessarily experience it myself. And through that, then we can learn best about, you know, how do we either get out of your way or advocate on your behalf on a, in a way that, like we said, the individual, as well as shifting at the community norms, you know, how can we shift these narratives? How can we shift resources to make sure that everybody's living their best life? Well, I'm, I'm really glad this conversation went the way it did. It's been a lot of fun. And I think that people as listeners, I think you will get a lot out of it. And I really hope that you did and that this really makes an impact in your life. As we wrap up, Adam, I just have a couple of questions left for you that I sure. ask everybody that comes on. You can answer this any way you want. It's completely up to you. It's kind of a point blank question, but what are you curious about? I'm curious about human beings and, and what makes us tick and what makes relationships work and not work. That's just always fascinated me. And that's part of why I love what I do. Are there any questions that I didn't ask you that I should have? No, I mean, just uh, I'd love to share where people can find more if they're awesome. interested. Yeah. yeah. So tell people where they can find out more about you if they are interested. LinkedIn is probably my main platform these days. And my name is Adam, A-D-A-M, last name Cole, K-O-L on there. And my company is A-H-K. So my name is Adam Hubble Cole. That's my full name, A-H-K, coaching.com. And also, uh, if you want to find out what couples money type you and your significant other are, I put together a fun quick quiz. And depending on whichever category you fall into, then there's a free tool that's going to help you get to the next level. So that link is one of those what they call bit.ly links. So it's B-I-T period L-Y slash love money quiz, all lowercase. Great. And we'll include links in the show notes. For those of you that know how to get to the show notes, you can find them there. Adam, thank you again for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. I appreciate it. And thank you to everybody for listening. And thank you for listening to the Safe and Sound podcast. This is your host, Sean Sparkman, always bringing you new people from around the country to get you different perspectives on how to build a safe and sound lifestyle. Thanks for listening to Safe and Sound Radio with Sean Sparkman. Sean Sparkman. If you have questions or would like to suggest a topic for future shows, contact Sean at 313-246-9278 or visit the website at www.safeandsoundretirement.net. That's www.safeandsoundretirement.net. I must leave.
step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.